This is Diana. And this is Dobby. Hey, remember that time we drove 70 miles for Fa and Pokemon Go? Yeah, that was my bright idea. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to our show where we discuss East Asian pop culture, video games, shenanigans, friendships, love, life, and everything in between. All right, friend, let's talk about anime. Where did it all begin? Oh, gosh. Uh, For me, it was quite a long time ago. Everyone thinks anime is just like a cartoon. It's animated, but it's way more than that. Way more than that. I mean, you know, everyone's used to like Bugs Bunny or, you know, watching those types of cartoons. But anime, I think, is on a completely different level. It's also not a genre. You know, people think that anime is its own genre, but it's actually, it's just Japanese for animation. That's true. That's very true. And there are many genres within that, just like any other media, like just movies, TV shows, etc. What got you into anime? Um, I think I was just, you know, watching TV, and I think the very first anime that I can think of that was like the Japanese type style show that people are now used to. Um, I was watching Robotech. Yeah, that was probably more for boys, but I totally loved it because of the story concept and, you know, just a lot of different things within it. That was way more than just your standard, you know, everyday Saturday morning cartoon that I was watching growing up. And what's interesting about that is that with something like Robotech, it's actually so ingrained in Western culture that they kind of think that that is part of Western culture, as opposed to it being an anime. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I know when I watched it, it was all English dubbed. And so, you know, I had no idea that it came from actually Japan at that time. And But it definitely piqued my interest and got me into that whole, you know, type of shows to watch going forward. So... It was really interesting that it kind of that was the show that kind of piqued my interest in it. Well, with me, um, and we're totally dating ourselves uh, with with this <laughs> podcast here. Um, it was uh, a combination of Pokemon and Sailor Moon, you know. And once again, we go back to uh, what I was just saying that it's so ingrained in Western culture now that some people don't realize that this is an anime. And not just your Saturday morning cartoon. Because Pokemon was also like on Saturday mornings. But I actually, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. Which is a great place if you are preteen in the late 90s, early noughties. And you know, this was back before anime was cool. And back before YouTube... And it was hard to get uh, quality anime and uh, even graphic novels and comics and stuff like that. So I was lucky lucky enough to grow up somewhere that had a, uh, a comic book shop that was actually receiving imported stuff. And so um, when I first started reading manga, it was actually Oh My Goddess. Inuyasha, and um, Cardcaptor Sakura. Wow, friend. I mean, you were fortunate um, that you were down in Southern California where, you know, a lot of the different cultures and 
things like that meet up and mix here. Um, where I grew up, which is in the Central Valley in California, Visalia, and that was a completely different time because um, I am a little bit older than you. So for me, it was just a whole like almost culture shock because I didn't see myself because I am also Asian, not Japanese though, represented in anything on TV. So that was really, you know, cool for me to see that. But the challenge I had was I didn't have, you know, those kinds of things available. Didn't have like a comic book store. Didn't have, you know, things where you can just go now and, and buy those types of like graphic novels. And so for me, comic books was more, you know, probably what people are used to, like, you know, the Marvel comics. I loved X-Men, for example, the storylines, things like that. But I didn't have that where I was, you know, and because I grew up in a very kind of conservative town, um, you know, farming, a lot of, uh, I didn't grow up with a lot of people that looked like me either as I was going through school. So I didn't really have people to talk to about it either. So for me to see it on TV and be like, wow, this is really cool. And to see that was really neat. So, you know, that's kind of what jump started me into it. And of course, people always say, well, you know, you're Asian by default, you should like that stuff. But if I didn't have it accessible, accessible to me and readily available, then of course I didn't think anything of it, you know. So uh, for me that, you know, that was kind of the start of my journey to, to seeing that kind of thing. And, you know, probably I would say tapping more into the Asian part of me, as people would say. You know, young weebs have it so easy nowadays. <laughs> and, and, you know, it is so easy for our youngsters to... Uh, to say, oh, you probably like all this stuff that is related to Asian cultures. Um, but like you said, it, this was before YouTube, before, you know, even Google. <laughs> um, this was way before any of that. So you were literally, literally limited by whatever was available locally. And that was very difficult. Yeah. Um, so how can you like something by default if you can't even find it? That's true. And, you know, for me, like I said, growing up, um, I kind of grew up more in a predominantly white culture, white school, white neighborhood. So, you know, again, for me, you know, now people are like, oh, it, you know, it's so great to see myself on TV being represented in movies and TV and music and whatnot but for me growing up unfortunately I didn't have all that exposure we didn't have all that access I mean you know this was pre-internet <laughs> so yeah um, there was a time before the internet you guys yeah exactly <laughs> so you know every little scrap I could get and I also lent itself towards helping me then you know discover more about myself for my identity a little more um, yeah, I know that sounds really cheesy now when you think about it, and a lot of people will say that. But again, for me, it was really important to see that. And watching that and gravitating towards something like that um, had nothing to do more with my ethnicity, which I'm sure my friend Diana here can also say, you know, gravitating towards, you know, like the anime, the storylines, the visuals, the storytelling. It's just, it's it's beyond whole, oh, it's Japanese, you know, you like it because, you know, whatever. But it's beyond that, you know, because nowadays, as you can see, all the access we have, like you said, YouTube, Google, uh, your manga's online, everything now is more readily accessible. Amazon, 
dropping that shit off uh, via drone. <laughs> Get your manga via drone, y'all. Yeah, and if you have Prime, it shows up the next day if you're, you know, if you're lucky and, you know, have the subscription. It's like, okay, here you go. Um, didn't have that back in the day. So if you were looking for, like, the graphic novels, if you were looking for even the books, because I read the books, um, the series that came out of, you know, that created the the anime uh, which I do love. You get way more detail into it. Uh, reading all of that, I was really hungry for it. But I think, though, it's probably more than just finding something to entertain yourself to because a lot of those animes, even now, there's a lot of them that have a lot of, you know, depth storyline-wise, makes you think, you know. I mean, I have a 15-year-old son who loves it. Um, he and I actually bond over it, which is really nice. You know, he'll say, hey, mom, do you want to watch this particular show or this particular movie that just came out? Um, and it happens to be an anime. Great. And, uh, you know, he actually enjoys it a lot. So it, it's nice to have that also to bond with him as well. So I can totally understand where you're coming from about wanting to see yourself um, in media um, as a Chicana you know, there was a certain point where you would pretty much, you know, have your pick of uh, Dora the Explorer for that. Um, <laughs> you know, um, that's just how it was. But the thing I liked about, um, that I've always liked about anime and even Korean dramas is that I get to see another culture besides my own and besides Western culture. And, you know, when I got into Korean dramas... I would watch these um, episodes and I would realize we're not that much different at all. Like, we all have the same problems. We all suffer the same pain. We all, you know, ha have anxieties about the same things. We are all, like, the same in that human connection. And... You know, that's part of the storylines with um, anime and Korean dramas that really attracts me. It's that, it's that depth. It's that story about the human experience. The, the human experience being life, love, pain, death. All the things that we all experience um, as part of being uh, human. Yeah, and honestly, like, you know, they seem to express emotions, you know, a lot more, at least from what I can see. And honestly, when you think about some of the over-the-top storylines, though, you're kind of like, oh, come on, really? <laughs> but the underlying you know, emotion, the underlying, you know, human side of things is there, um, regardless of, you know, whether that K-dramas, you know, about someone losing their memory and then, you know, finding out that they're really a prince or, you know, some really outlandish story that is then woven into a story and talks about then, you know, what happens and what they experience. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's actually a really good thing. And, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, K-dramas too are very similar, even though they wrap it up in just, like, really short, you know, a time frame. You know, of course, we've watched soap operas here, you know, in the U.S., telenovelas. As novelas. The novelas, yes, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know, everyone's seen that meme, you know. Gasps like, in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it, you know, but, um, and, of course, they have that 
in the K-dramas too, you know, with the evil mother-in-law. Well, I gotta say, um, I'm super excited for um, Love and Marriage featuring Divorce coming back on February 26th on Netflix. Oh my um, gosh, that's like, isn't it the third season? Yes, oh, that's, that's, that's a pretty long running. And uh, honestly, it is, a, it, it is a bit like a soap opera. I feel like um, a lot of it is actually really relatable, except for the fact that there's some, like, you know, ghosts involved. (laughs) (laughs) There's some ghosts involved. um, But, you know, the emotions, the... Well, let me back it up. So, um, if you haven't watched it, it follows, uh, I believe, three different couples, um, three different women, and they're all kind of uh, different age groups. So one is like um, late twenties, the other one's late thirties, and the other one's late late forties, um, and they're all struggling, you know, with their relationships one way or another. What I like about that is that you could actually relate to any and all of those three women, no matter what age group you're from. But definitely, um, you 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 get a sense of who they are based on on their age groups, but. Anyway, so they they uh they're struggling through love and marriage and you know featuring divorce, <laughs> which I love that title by the way. So there there is like some elements that are just kind of way over the top, like this ghost business that seems to be um, a common theme. But overall, I mean, we all have been there. We've we've all felt the pain of not knowing um if your relationship's going to survive and you know some of these women had been married for decades yeah and you know it it's funny you talk about the one the dramas that are you know relatable to where it's like you know current times you know you know emotions uh different stages in life like that um you know i appreciate that about you know really any movie or drama or anything that goes into those kinds of things. Um, I will say one that I watched, uh, it's been a little while, it's been out for a while, it's complete, so if you're not wanting to wait on a weekly basis for a new episode, um, you can always go back and watch one that's already complete. They have them on different streaming services um, that are out there, but I know one that I watch it really resonated with me because it talks about mental health, for example is the one that's uh, titled, It's Okay to Not Be Okay. And, you know, it was pretty heavy. I will say I pretty much cried through the whole entire thing just because of, you know, some of the topics they talked about. Um, You know, I don't want to give out any spoilers. So um, I will say that the acting in it was excellent. But not only that, it didn't even seem like they were acting. The emotions they were able to portray, really raw and everything. And again, it was a really good drama on mental health and trying to deal with your, you know, things that happen to you, dealing with your past traumas. Yes, again, some of the elements are a little over the top. At the same time, you know, again, I appreciate that they are able to put those stories out there. I think um, a lot of times Western culture is a little bit shy to, to really delve into those kinds of things at times. If you've got some examples, definitely leave us a comment. But I appreciate those dramas and the animes more that they actually delve into things like this um, a little more deeper than, 
you know, just some of the normal everyday thing that we see. You know, uh, I also, I also love seeing, um, difficult topics such as mental health be discussed in some of these series. Um, one that I want to point out is also on Netflix. It's called Mad for Each Other. And this was funny and cute, but also like it really hits home. And you might think that the characters are a little bit exaggerated, but if you have ever struggled with with mental illness, you'll realize that it's actually not that far off. So in this series, it's about um, a guy and a girl. They run into each other um, while going to uh, to see their therapist, and they actually go to the same therapist. Um, and then it turns out that they actually live right next door to each other as well. So, of course, you know, that's that's typical uh, Korean drama uh, cliche tropes there. But the guy has anger management issues. And the girl has anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder. So you'll, you'll see things like, um, like with the girl, sometimes she... She struggles to leave the house. Sometimes she uh, she leaves the house and then she freaks out because she can't remember if she t- shut off the gas or not. And if you've ever struggled with OCD, you'll realize that that's actually how actually works. It's not this like opening and closing the door 20 times. Um, I mean, yes, there are cases like that, but... Um, OCDs manifest manifested more like uh, almost like paranoia and it's intrusive thoughts and you can't get rid of the thought unless you go and do what what you need to do so like in this instance she cannot move on until she goes and confirms that she turned off the gas and you know most people would be would be like, oh, it's probably fine. I mean, like, you probably did. No, that doesn't work when you have OCD. And um, so the guy, he's actually a very good guy. Um, he just went through a lot, and he ended up uh, a bit on the aggressive side, but most of it um, is geared towards people who, you know, are either criminals or have done something wrong and he kind of lashes out a little bit too much on these people and takes it a little bit too personally. Just seeing them experience their mental health issues, it it really hits home. And the fact that they can um, bond over it and, you know, eventually try to help each other through it, not just... Not just your typical romance, but actually trying to help each other through it. Um, it's just amazing. You don't you don't get that um, as often um, on Western Western media. <clears throat> yeah, and you know you've got to give it up to the people who uh, write these dramas and you know put them together um, to be able to kind of handle these sensitive type issues and uh, be able to do it in such a way where yes it is entertainment we totally understand that but at the same time you know it's it feels more real 
Um, you know, not to say one's better than the other, um, but at the same time, you know, they just seem to um, be able to portray it a little more realistically, a little bit more relatable. I think that may be where you're coming from. Um, like, yeah. you know, you can see it. Definitely. Yeah. And so, you know, at the same time, you know, yes, we understand again. It's just entertainment. Someone's written a script for it. But, you know, as I always say, y- you can't just make this stuff up. So either, you know, someone's been through it or they've seen it, they've witnessed it, and someone was able to put it on paper, put it on a screen, and, you know, really capture people's attention and kind of, you know, touch you in a way that, um, you know, a lot of things that I've seen um, on this side of the pond uh, that doesn't seem to resonate with me as, as much. So... Um, you know, I'm with you there. We can circle all the way back um, and say that seeing a show like that helps me see myself in media. And I don't mean that as a Chicana, but as someone who struggles with mental health. Being able to see myself in media and also, you know, not in a mocking way in this exaggerating sense, you know, it, it's, it's nice to see that I'm not the only one. Yeah. And, you know, same with, you know, the drama I was talking about earlier, dealing with, you know, your past, uh, trauma, your struggle, um, and being able to accept it. And just as the title of the actual drama is, it's okay to not be okay. You know, sometimes we, especially with everything that's happened in the past couple years, you know, we seem to think that if we don't see it or we don't pay attention to it, it'll go away. And really, it doesn't. So, you know, to be able to watch these things and, you know, especially since we've all been, you know, having to unfortunately stay in <laughs> for a while um, and being able to see this is that, you know, I, I just appreciate, you know, everything so much more in that. And... My final thought on this is the visibility, you know, seeing mental health discussed in pop culture, that helps to lower the shame, you know, of being able to see this on, you know, on your TV, like, and and have it be somewhat realistic. It it means that we're, we're starting to chip away at the shame that is associated with mental health. Yeah, and being able to have a conversation um, about it, um, whether it is somebody who's struggling like in their marriage or struggling with a relationship or struggling with uh, past trauma or even, you know, their current um, challenges that they may have in order to just function and make it through the day. So um, we definitely appreciate that for sure. If you'd like to hit us up, we're both on Twitter. Um, I'm Diana, and I am at Diana, C-M-Y-K, D-I-A-N-A-C-M-Y-K. This is Davi, of course, and if you want to hit me up, leave me some mentions, just whatever, uh, you'll get to see me at short, sweet, A-Z-N-Q-T on Twitter.